Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week we're talking about 1999's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. With Joe. Oh, muy, muy, I love you. You almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I speak. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Now get out of here. JC. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? And Joel. The cells have the highest concentration of midichlorians I have seen in a life form. It's possible he was conceived by the midichlorians. Finding him was the will of the Force. I have no doubt of that. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Mace Windu to my Qui-Gon JC. How are you, buddy? So I like purple? I didn't know. Does purple go with me? You're a bad motherfucker. That's what it is. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I do kind of like purple. I wore a purple tie yesterday. Well. That works. We're lucky to be joined again. By the Obi-Wan Kenobi to us, wow. Joel. Yeah, you, you just gave him, like, a big compliment, man. Yeah. I know, because Obi-Wan is my favorite. Yeah, mine too. Oh, thank yeah. you, guys. So that means Joel, Joel, I have to make sure I add the L, Joel, <laughs> Joel. is our favorite. Well, I figured because true. Mace is on the council, Qui-Gon is kind of like Does that rogue. Mean I have to shave my head? And he's our apprentice. Is this a uh, rat Intern tail? Joel. <laughs> is this rat tail sure Obi-Wan or... That's true. Or after. <laughs> no, you got the rat tail. He right. doesn't have the crop top. No, with no, the no. Spiky hair. He's tailing the rat until next. He's tailing the rat. What I the just, hell does that mean? I don't know. Does that mean he just pulls tails off rats? Because that's really cruel, man. Could mean they just backing into him. Oh, so it's kinky. I you got want, it. You want to cut? You want to defend yourself? Here? <laughs> I will. I will work on the rat tail as the series continues. <laughs> oh, please do. If you show up with a rat tail. Holy shit! This week we are discussing the beginning of the Star Wars saga, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace from 1999. You can't see me. Can't see me. Can't see me. I'm Phantom. <laughs> 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 shit. <laughs> Starring Liam Neeson as Qui Gon Jinn, Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi, Natalie Portman as Queen Amidala, Jake Lloyd as Anakin Skywalker, Ian McDermott as Senator Palpatine, Pernilla August as Shmi, Shmi Skywalker. That is a cool name. Uh, Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks. Which he put in a good performance, but... We'll yeah. get there. We'll yeah. get there. Kenny Baker as R2-D2, Frank Oz uh, as Yoda, RB. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and Terrence Stamp as, as Chancellor, Chancellor Valorum. Valorum. Now, this is interesting because this is such, this is such a well-known property. It's nearly impossible to find any trivia that you don't know. It really is. I mean, at least you and I know... N- 900% I was going to say, there. when you watch the, the making of featurettes, it's really hard to find because there's a ton of, of facts. But maybe IMDb has some stuff that we missed. That being said, I think I found some gems. First off, let's go over the budget. It cost $150 million. Oh, I don't know numbers. Yeah, I have no idea what the numbers $150 are. $150 million to make. Made $1.027 billion worldwide. Can, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> made $1 billion worldwide. A lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of bank. Now, keep in mind, this is after a hiatus. You know, oh, people yeah. were waiting so long for this movie, so they were going to go see it anyway. Yep. I believe it was 450 in North America alone. That's a lot of money. Fox released the first trailer. 
with strict instructions that it not be shown before a certain date. When a Canadian movie theater accidentally showed it a day early, they lost the rights to show the movie. Whoa. <laughs> Ouch. Talk about accountability. Yeah. Q, you're wow. on Canada. <laughs> no grace. Who knew George Lucas was such an asshole? <laughs> during, Damn. during the first week of the first trailer's release, which was during what movie? Mm. Meet Joe Black. Oh, was it? Yes. Okay. Many theaters reported up to 75% of their audiences paying full price for a movie, then walking out after the Star Wars Episode One trailer was shown. I can wow. believe that, though. Could you imagine? Like today, what, 15 bucks for a movie? Yeah. Back then, it probably would have been like seven, eight bucks. Yeah. So eight yeah. bucks for a movie to go walk in to go, go see Meet, meet Joe have, Black and then leave in four minutes. We didn't have YouTube. I no. can I can totally see it. Yeah. If you if yeah. it's your only chance to see it, I I get it. Yeah. Uh Sets were built only as high as the tops of the actors' heads, and computer graphics filled in the rest. Liam Neeson was so tall that he... I don't know if they were as tall. I thought they were taller than that, but I didn't know that CGI was... It gets better. Liam Neeson was so tall that he cost the set crew an extra $150,000 in construction. (laughs) 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 That's funny. Uh, Natalie Portman's voice was digitally enhanced to distinguish between Padme and Queen Amidala. Oh, I thought she just changed her accent. I did, too. Yeah. But this was around the time that this was like the first movie that tried to use digital filming. Uh, was it this one that was completely digital? No, I thought this. I thought that was Attack of the Clones. This I one only. This had, one was digital and filmed. This one only had two scenes in it that were digitally filmed. One was when Qui Gon Jinn is sending the blood sample back to Obi Wan. That was filmed digitally. You can barely tell. Yeah, it's 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 looks like a seamless scene. Yeah. Uh, when fully dressed and in makeup, Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley resembled each other so much that even Kira Knightley's mother, who visited the set, had trouble identifying her own daughter. Wow. <laughs> That's got to hurt a little. <laughs> it's got to be rough. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Liam Neeson convinced George Lucas to keep a scene where Qui-Gon Jinn puts his hand on Shmi Skywalker's shoulder. Lucas felt this might be out of character for the monk-like Jedi, but Neeson thought there should be an emotional connection between the characters. In an interview with Premier Magazine, Neeson defended his action, saying, it may be Star Wars, but we've got to have something in there for the adults. I agree. Does that mean that Shmi and Qui-Gon got I a think little... Qui- Look at what happened with Obi-Wan and the Mandalorian woman. Why am I drawing a blank on her name? Duchess Satine. Thank you, Satine. Uh, Jake Lloyd. Which, maybe he learned to do that oh. because he saw Qui-Gon yeah. have feelings for women. Jake Lloyd. Now, this is kind of sad. Jake Lloyd has said that he retired from acting because of the trauma he experienced after yeah. playing Anakin Skywalker. According to Lloyd, other children constantly teased him about the role. For example, they would make lightsaber sounds whenever he walked by. <laughs> <laughs> Savages. Lloyd also said that the situation was made worse because, in his opinion, the film did not meet the fans' expectations. Despite this, Lloyd has reprised the role of Anakin in several video games and has appeared at Star Wars conventions and events. The guy powered through as far as he could. No, he did. And to give him credit, I think he ended up facing a lot of the brunt because this movie was vilified. Yeah. I am sorry. I've, I've watched the making of, and maybe I'm getting into this too early, so I can... Mm. Save it till later. I've watched the making of featurettes. I saw who else they were auditioning, and they had the one comment, this guy will hit all the marks, but Lucas chose Lloyd, Lloyd because he was unpredictable. And that's one of the times when I'm like, you know what, Lucas, you hit it out of the park. I cannot complain about Lloyd's performance. I like I, it. I, I do, too. People rip into it all the time, and I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. He actually did a real... He is not the problem with this movie. If you want to pick apart this movie... Fine, go after Jar Jar and the other stuff. 
leave Anakin alone because Anakin, as how Jake Lloyd plays him, I think is done very well and exactly what the story needed as far as how it was told. What do you there, got? I'll, I'll get off my pedestal on that one. We talked about it a little bit at the school earlier. Yeah. It's hard to like just nitpick and like you're trying to find stuff to nitpick about oh, yeah. in a way just to have something to talk about. I'm not a Jake Lloyd fan, but I was trying to find something in this movie to support the evidence, but it's not because of this, it's because of Jingle All the Way. <laughs> when he mouths off to his Austrian father and like hangs up <laughs> on him. He's like, I hate you, you're not my dad. I'm like, wow, the guts <laughs> to say that to Arnold Schwarzenegger over the phone. At the age of six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just remember cringing, like, my dad would have ruined me if I said <laughs> half the stuff that he did. But if we're talking about episode one, he did great. I mean, what else What else do you expect a nine-year-old character to do? Yeah, and I think that's the point is that this character was not supposed to show you the dark side yet. He was no, supposed to be seen. He's supposed as, to be a kid who yeah, loves his mother. Exactly. And but also he's whiny and he's nervous because he's a nine-year-old who's just left his mom. But also does make decisions on his own despite what people tell him to do. And that ends up being later on the ultimate that, downfall with him. And that makes perfect sense because yes. it's exactly I'm telling you, Jake Lloyd played Anakin perfectly. He did well. Uh, Benicio Del Toro was originally set to play Darth Maul. Really? Del Toro left the film after George Lucas took most of lines, uh, most of his lines out of the film. Well, for somebody like Del Toro, that would piss him off. Yeah. But I am happy with that guy. He played Toad in the original X-Men. Ray I, Park. I, I love Ray Park. I which think is, he is a great Maul. That is which, is which is funny because Ray Park, who played Maul, never said a single one of his lines. No. Peter Serafinowicz did. Of the film's 133-minute running time, only 10 to 15 minutes contain no special effects. Yeah, I, I believe, believe that. I believe that. And finally, Terrence Stamp, Chancellor Valorum, disliked working on the film so much, he declined to reprise his role in the sequel, saying that actors prefer to work with actors. <laughs> yeah. Now, keep in mind, he's working this... with Liam, Ewan, and Natalie. No, but I guarantee... It, and I'm I'm gonna bring up something that I know you've never seen, so you probably never seen it either. No. I watched a lot of the the appendices on the making of the Hobbit and all of this stuff. But hold on, this is where I'm coming from. When when Phantom Menace comes out, this is the beginning of of blue screen and green screen and all of that stuff. And this is 2010 when they are shooting the Hobbit, yeah. and Ian McKellen was in tears, mm -hmm. wanting to leave the movie The Hobbit. Wow. He wanted to leave because he was required to act in a green room by himself because they were trying to do the size comparisons because he's a wizard and everybody else is a dwarf. So all of the other actors are in another part of the set acting the exact same scene, and they have two cameras going at the exact same motions so they can get the scene. And Ian McKellen, they, they actually showed it, which was kind of hard. I'm like, you put this out on DVD for people to see, and you watch Ian McKellen break down, and this guy is in tears because he's fucking up. Like, yeah. he keeps screwing up all of the takes because he even says, he's like, I'm an actor. I have, I need eyes. And that's what he screams. He's like, he can't act without having the people's eyes. And for somebody like Terrence Stamp, this would have been the very beginning of all of that. Oh, yeah. And having to stand there and 
not like because even though Liam Neeson and all these characters in the movie, I guarantee for his scenes, he was on top of a giant green box in the middle of a giant green room with the two other actors side by side that didn't say a word. Yeah. And he had to do all of his lines. And I guarantee that's why he was pissed because it was breaking new ground and all that. So I completely get that get or understand why he was upset with that. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into the first question here, which is, what was your first introduction to this movie? I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure I did watch it in theaters. Yeah. I think that I saw it with my brother and cousin in Knoxville. I was eight years old. Okay. Um, so third grade. Oh, you're in the prime of that movie. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, I remember collecting all the Mountain Dew cans, the Pepsi cans, because they came out with I'm pretty sure I still have them in the attic at my house. My mother took me to see all three of the prequels. I saw all three of those with my mother, so I saw it first time with my mom. I've seen and all I three think, with my mom. I think she was more excited uh, because she knew how much I loved the others, and this was the first time I was getting to see Star Wars. Yeah. Because I remember her patting my knee really, really hard <laughs> as soon as the crawl happened. As soon as the crawl, she's just like patting my knee really hard saying, oh, this is this is it, this is it, this is it. I'm like, I, kn- I know, Mom. I'm looking at it. <laughs> it's like I'm assuming it's the thumper. This was probably the first time I started getting into movie news because I was working in a warehouse with these two guys, uh, Bob and Chris. And Why we were they Chris and Bob? <laughs> okay, Chris and Bob. And they were so good about getting me into comics and all of that because there was a mo- there was a magazine called Wizard Wizard magazine and they used to cast all these different things in there and then they'd have all like, like in the back sci-fi news and we started seeing things like oh here's a clip for like here's a photograph from episode 1 we were like oh my gosh a photograph like today it's kind of silly a photograph we would get youtube videos of full studio featurettes that's the thing back then we wanted any scrap of piece or information we could get and we got to a point where we were in this warehouse for 8 hours and we would sit there and just start quoting like empire strikes back and we would go through the entire movie just working on the entire thing and when this movie came out we the first thing we did we got in our cars right from work went straight to the theater and we just it was so much fun there, we didn't wait in line like all the nerds do out there with their costumes and lightsabers and all that shit. Yeah, I didn't do that either. Yeah, I don't, I don't dress up for movies. Uh, but, you know. But you do for us. Yeah. Well, no, I don't dress up for you. Uh, but we were pumped afterwards. <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people say that they left and they were like, oh, I ruined my child. We were so psyched after this. The next day at this warehouse, we started choreographing, re- redoing the entire Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan fight scene with giant metal staffs that probably could have killed us but we were like no 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 you, he went up here first then he went down and we were like okay and we would do the entire thing through the entire warehouse <laughs> see and it was funny to hear you read that because uh when my neighbor uh mark saw it we would also and i was a freshman in high school so i was supposed to be like too cool for this man you yeah know? but no <laughs> like we i'd get home and and once he had seen it we would also uh play it out but i also don't remember being upset i feel like I didn't learn that this was supposed to be a bad movie until I got to college. Yeah. When I got to college and was like watching it with friends and they're like, oh, you like Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, just the originals, right? Oh, fuck you. No. <laughs> and like that's when I first realized, oh, apparently it's a thing to hate these. Yeah. Got it. Uh, was this a movie you were looking forward to watching? Joel, how about you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All I, right. was, I was telling JC today, I really don't remember. Remember before last night, the last time that I'd seen it, mm-hmm. I've told you I was just holding out on a box set to dip below $80. Yeah. <laughs> and so I finally found one on eBay and I scooped it. But it was really hard for me to write notes on what I remember because I just wanted to watch it. So I had to put it off for a couple of days. And so yeah. I finally got to sit down and watch it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this was honestly this was growing up my f- second favorite one okay. after Jedi. Yeah. Um, and I'll go into more of that later, but yeah, I was just I was excited for like the pod races and just to see. I wanted to see everything through the eyes of an adult that understands a storyline. Yeah. Instead of just watching a screen and watching progression. Yeah. JC? Uh, I all, I love watching this movie. I, I watch the whole series a couple times a year, <laughs> and I do I do like to watch this one. Um, I'll talk about some of the things that I zone out for, which we'll get to. One of the yeah. So there's there's that part of it, but I actually spend more time when when I first got the the DVD for Christmas. It was one of the first DVDs I got, not not the first, but one of the first. And I actually spent more time watching the making of. I probably have the fight scenes between Ray Park and Nick Gallows and Ewan McGregor memorized because I would watch those. I watched all of the storyboarding. I mean, I I would come home from school and have a Star Wars fix, and I'd throw the making of thing in. Yeah. I wouldn't watch the actual (laughs) feature. I mean, I liked the feature I did. I just enjoyed watching them draw the, the Naboo fighters and him talking to Spielberg and be like, yeah, these things are like butter. The, the, the Jedi are just supposed to like go through them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like I'm wa- it was sort of the beginning of, of the special feature thing for me. This movie did it. This movie made me become that person that can't just watch a movie. I need to watch the movie, and I need to watch the behind the scenes. And it's all because of Phantom Menace, yeah. and I loved it. For me, I every time I watch this movie, I'm in for a treat because I know that now that I've seen this, I have to watch the next six as opposed to the next five that there used to be. And uh, that means I'm in for a ride because I'm a completionist. If I watch one, I have to watch them all. And for me, I mean, it's it, it, it's come to a point now with this movie where it almost feels like a chore to get to the ones that I truly think are A's. Yeah. But I enjoy the chore. It's kind of like when your parents told you, go clean your room. You're like, okay. And you went in your room and just played with the toys that were on the floor. Yep. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I, it's, it's, not a, it's not an A. It's not a great movie, but no. But it's it definitely is... a great introductory. Yeah. So, all right. You ready for a synopsis? Synopsis. Synopsis. There's a trade dispute between the Trade Federation and the outlying systems of the Galactic Republic, which has led to a blockade of the small planet of Naboo. A new planet we have never seen never before. Never seen before, never heard before, so we got a new planet. Now, to be clear here, I'm going to go at this from the perspective of someone who's never, ever seen this movie. I'm going to try to use my superpower, as you call it, yeah, to pretend bullshit. like I don't remember anything. Yeah, and you made you, that up. Here's the thing. You call me out if I'm trying to be someone who is using what we're going to learn about later on as a defense for what I'm about to say. Supreme Chancellor Finnis Valorum. We don't know his name is Finnis, but just Chancellor Valorum. Leader of the Galactic Senate has secretly dispatched two Jedi, Master Qui-Gon Jinn and his Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi, to serve as the ambassadors to the Federation flagship in order to meet with Viceroy Newt Gunray and resolve the dispute. Can I just say the first time I saw Ewan McGregor and I knew he was Obi-Wan, and growing up and knowing that Alec Guinness was Obi-Wan and this he was this older guy, and when you see Ewan McGregor walk through that door and you see him young with the buzz cut and the mm-hmm. rat tail, I'm just like... <gasps> That's really cool. He's a young kid. I'm a young kid. He's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's. It, it's kind of funny because we knew Ewan McGregor before then. Yeah. But, but they did a great job making him look really young in this. Yeah, it was it was good. He looks 17, 18 years old in this. Uh-huh. So 
I, you know, if you're first seeing this, you hear the word Jedi, you don't know what the hell that is. Sure. Here's why I love this movie. Because if you've never seen a Star Wars movie before, and this is your introduction, you get everything you need to know about the Jedi in the first 20 minutes. You're right. Yeah. You're you right. really do. So you get Obi-Wan Kenobi, you get Qui-Gon Jinn. So yeah. now, okay, these are Jedi. What the hell are they? Show me. Two guys in cloaks, you think, okay, monks. <laughs> you're laughing, but it is true. You relate them to monks. Oh, tell them that we'll be boarding the ship. No, it was definitely like a peaceful presence. Yeah, about the Jedi. They don't. They're not fucking around. They're there for a reason. Right. And they had their exchange that they have. Because that's what you think when you think monks. They're not well, fucking around, dude. Well, if you if you see a monk, you're like, they're not just like here to kill time. No. <laughs> if they're off of their mountain, they must be going somewhere. <laughs> All right, now I'm on board. There we go. That's what it took. You explained it well. Thank you. That's what it took. I'm like, okay, now I get where he's going. Unknown to them, the Trade Federation is in league with the mysterious Darth Sidious, Dark Dark Lord of the Sith, who secretly orders Gunray to invade Naboo, as well as implying that he would ensure that their invasion was made legal when asked if it was illegal by Gunray. I will make it legal. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, the hell is this guy? Who is he? Who, Who is this cloaked guy? Right? Isn't that what someone who'd never seen this was thinking? Of course. Yes. That's exactly what they would be thinking. So, so far, they've introduced a lot of mysteries. Yep. And kill the two Jedi upon their arrival. Okay, so clearly they don't get along. <laughs> They're not the, friends. The monks don't like the evil guy in black. The evil Got guy it. in black doesn't like the monks. Got it. The tension. <laughs> Using poison gas, the Viceroy attempts to poison the two Jedi Knights as an assassination attempt, but fails. He it, does not wait very long. No, he doesn't. Like, <laughs> just let's be honest with how gas works. <laughs> let's gas like, the motherfuckers. <laughs> and clearly, he doesn't know anything about Jedi. He's like, have you ever met a Jedi? No, I have not. <laughs> well, let's give them five seconds and see if they can't hold their breath for five seconds. <laughs> Send in the droid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> After having to battle their way through squads of battle droids, Jin and Kenobi make their way to the command deck where Gunray is located. This is your first image of a lightsaber. You see this, and you're like, the fuck is that? And as soon as that door opens, and you see that TC-14 droid walk out, the fucking robots. Roger, roger. 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 Yeah, robots having normal conversation, like, I don't know, I guess everything checks out, guys, right? <laughs> roger, roger. <laughs> Typical programming. They have common sense chips, apparently. Yeah. Just like, they, they'll talk slang to each other. <laughs> okay, so you see the lightsabers light up, and then they just cut through every fucking robot. Like Swiss cheese. And see, that's something that makes me chuckle because I'm already thinking of the making making of featurette. And the first time Ewan McGregor got his lightsaber, Nick Gallum said that he was like practicing his moves <laughs> on set. And Nick had to come over and be like, don't make the sounds. They do that later in post. <laughs> like Ewan McGregor goes on, like in the middle of the fight. And Nick actually, he's like, you're screwing up the sound, guys. <laughs> we'll put this in later. And Ewan McGregor was like, uh oh. <laughs> like completely legit. Literally, no one in history has ever practiced with a lightsaber and not made not the noise. Not made the no. sound. <laughs> There's a couple things we see. We see the Jedi have lightsabers. We see that they can use the force to push. We don't oh. the force, but we get, they're pushing people without oh, doing anything. That was cool. Telekinesis, They're man. blocking blaster shots and just kind of <laughs> wheeling them at other people. There really is a lot in that opening scene. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. And then comes the droidekas. Droidekas. Is it? Okay. Droidekas. Okay. Droidekas. Those are the little yeah. rolly ones with the shields. Now, Master, destroy us! Qui-Gon Jinn does arguably the coolest thing I've ever seen with a lightsaber. He starts to melt the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> 
And what's great about that scene is the music swelling at the point because you're like, holy hell, these are some bad motherfuckers. <laughs> and the guy on the other side, Newt Gunnery's going, they're still getting through. <laughs> okay. You don't set them up. Don't you, mess with Jedi. You know what they are now. And you think, okay, that's all it is. The droidicas start shooting at them, and they use speed now. Wait, I'm trying to figure out the speed thing. What speed thing? When he it? says, you know, when they escape from them, yeah. they speed off, and they're down the hall immediately. They use four speed. That's what that is. I've never caught that. I've never caught that they were down the hall. I thought they oh, just yeah. turned the hallway. Check it immediately, because as soon as you'll see them go... <laughs> like that out of the picture and then when they turn around they're like a hundred yards down the hallway huh i didn't catch that at all there's yeah. a lot of stuff that we've talked about in the last 45 seconds that i did not catch last night <laughs> <laughs> I we've, we've seen this a couple I, times i wish that i could have watched this from like a beginner's point of view i started taking <laughs> notes and i was like oh, it, i'm just gonna watch this <laughs> i haven't seen this in so long and i just sat and enjoyed it the jedi are forced to flee upon the arrival of the two destroyer droids but with their landing uh with their but with their ship, the Radiant 7, now destroyed, because they just disabled that. Captain, shields up. What? <laughs> Too late. The two, dead, two, two Jedi stow themselves aboard two separate Federation landing craft, leaving for the surface of Naboo to begin the invasion. Now, they were never scheduled to go down there. That was not their deal. They were supposed to go to the ship and negotiate. Yeah. Right. Now, it's kind with of funny. With lightsabers. We see another thing from the, from the Jedi here, which is they can, they can land from great heights. Yeah. And be okay because they drop out of that vent a good twenty five feet. Yeah. So I'm like now as a, as a first time viewer, I'm all I want to see more of these guys. I want to see what else going to do. They've done a good job now of selling you on what Jedi are. Yep. In the first 15, 20 minutes, and that is as much as people hate to hear this about George Lucas, that is great storytelling in that first movie. Yeah. When you guys first saw this in the theaters or at home after seeing what Jedi were, was this like a hyper version of them? Oh, I thought this was fantastic. This is what I always wanted the Jedi to be. Yeah. I wanted to see that. The I wanted to see the speed. I wanted to see them jumping around and, and all of this stuff. And I, I, I remember after watching this, when I watched episode one, I thought to myself, oh, man, the originals look so bad now. <sighs> yes, I, I really did. I, I thought, man, like, and I remember when it came out, because I didn't have it on DV, I remember watching episode four. And the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan. And I'm like, I literally was thinking, man, Ewan McGregor is so much better. Yeah. Like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but Ewan McGregor is the better Obi-Wan because this is not realistic to me now. And that's when I was sort of like, wait, did George Lucas just fuck himself? Because Phantom Menace, the Jedi looked awesome. In A New Hope, they, what happened? Yeah, and at that time, we didn't know what the rest of the story was going to be. No, we didn't. We didn't know about the Clone Wars series. We didn't know any of that. So it's kind of like you went from this Ewan to old-ass Alec, who couldn't do anything anymore. Yeah. yeah. As those movies fill in, it makes more sense. But but still, in that moment, I remember for those yeah. couple years, to me at least, it was Phantom Menace, and I'm putting my hand way up high so mm -hmm. since you guys can't see it, Phantom Menace, and then the originals, because I'm just like, the Jedi were so much cooler. Yeah. It was more action-packed. Oh, yeah. I mean, with any origin story, it usually starts off fairly slow, and you just, you just get a lot of information. They just throw information at you, and they say, all right, now you know. Now go watch the originals. Mm -hmm. But it, like I said, it just starts off strong with what made you fall in love with the original trilogy, 
and gets you in within the first 20 minutes. And it's what you went to the theater for, yeah. and you don't really have a plot yet. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on, but you are sucked in. Queen Amidala then contacts Gunray, expressing her disapproval of their blockade of Naboo, with Gunray explaining that they wouldn't have done it without the approval of the Senate. The approval of the Senate. I'm sorry. This is getting, the, the whole them talking without the lips being in sync drove me nuts. And I, that's nitpicky. I am going to concede that that's nitpicky. But you introduced it to me, uh, a YouTube channel for how this would have worked. If they would have just taken their lines and let the mask, because I'm sure it was that way because they couldn't get the animatronics to work right. I get that. Yeah. Practical effects, that's what we wanted. Perfect. Then dub the lines. Create a weird alien language and put text there. There's a fan. That, that's the one thing. It would have looked so much cooler. There's a fantastic cut of this on YouTube that JC's referring to where they actually, every time an alien speaks, they use alien language and they subtitle it. And it, it literally turns uh, Phantom Menace into a much more serious and perfectly put together production. And it makes Jar Jar look good, too. It does. I think Gosh. if they ever... No, it does, though. Like, if, yeah. if you translate the text, if they ever... I know I've, I've screamed the last, like, three or four shows, like, Star Wars is untouchable. If they redid Star Wars and made that change, A, I don't think it's changing Star Wars. You're just redubbing. But it would make these first three movies so much better. After questioning Gunray regarding the arrival of ambassadors sent by the Chancellor, Gunray claims that they have been greeted by no such ambassadors. <laughs> they never, they weren't here. We don't know what you talk about. <laughs> ambassadors, <laughs> what ambassadors? And you instantly realize, wow, all politicians lie to your face. <laughs> all yes. politicians just lie straight to your face. Gunray, after ending communications with her, informs his aide that they should disable all communications on the planet in case she suspects an invasion. So these people got issues. I think that's my biggest pet peeve is why did the Trade Federation choose Naboo? I know later on we can sort of figure out, well, it was Palpatine and like maybe he knew he could, could manipulate his own home planet. So it had to be that. But it's just like, what the f*** guys? Like why the Trade Federation just become assholes to Naboo? Yeah. That's well, another nitpicky thing. I'm just like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And as, as I was watching this, I said to myself, okay, she's very young. Yeah, Natalie Portman. And perhaps is young that was why film. they chose her because that plan because it was a young leader they could manipulate. They thought they could. Yeah. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, did they she's not in see, charge? Did they not <laughs> did they not see the professional? You don't fuck with a young Natalie Portman. That's yeah. She messed you up. Yeah. Damn. Uh, you know what? Even in the makeup kinda hot. No, I'm so I don't like the white makeup. It drives me nuts. I think Nat I love Natalie Portman. I find her very attractive. But when she's in that makeup and she's talking with that weird voice that now I know is animatronic, oh, <laughs> that uh, I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not a makeup fan. So <laughs> you don't like the Kabuki makeup? I tell my wife that too. I, I always tell my wife, "You look so much better without makeup. Don't okay. put makeup on." Meanwhile, Amidala is conversing with Senator Palpatine regarding the recent attempt at negotiations and how Gunray claimed that they did not receive any ambassadors. Surprised, Palpatine states that he had assurances from the Chancellor that his ambassadors did arrive. However, Palpatine is unable to finish his sentence and his hologram begins to short out. <laughs> Naboo Governor C.O. Bibble, great name, suspects that the shorting out of communication is a sign of only one thing. Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny. You see this movie enough times, you can just pretty much finish every sentence <laughs> that way. I can be the only sentence of one thing. Invasion. And I can't make my beard shake. There's been only so many times you can where... you tell that something's going on with that because the triangular beard just shakes a little bit after he says invasion. Here we go. We're introduced to her cabinet who seem like a bunch of whiny... And are idiots. Like, these are the adults helping this child? Yeah. And then you've got this hologram of a guy who's... We've seen two holograms so far. Are they the Darth Sidious person? and this guy. So, as an audience member, I'm kind of going, is it the same dude? Is it, you know, what is it? I don't know. But this guy seems to be giving all the right advice. He's telling her, yes, this is what it is. This is the honest thing. So you kind of believe it. And you can see how she could trust this person. Oh, he's a good guy. Well, we find out later on, he is a very close advisor to her. Oh, so sweet. He is a sweet guy. I think his oh. name his name is Sheev. Oh. Sheev Palpatine. He seemed, you know what? I hope I he, bet he carries her into Shiv. A little piece of me hopes he ends up taking over for her because oh. he seems like a great leader. I, I'm sorry. That's a bit of a stretch. I'm, okay. I'm not going to pull that bull. <laughs> hey, I was going to see how far I could push you on no. that one. Uh-uh. Okay. On the planet's surface, Qui-Gon saves local native outcast Jar Jar Binks from being crushed by an MTT. The Misa's so happy. Later... <laughs> 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 At least I didn't say Misa so <laughs> uh, Flying robots come by and attack, but are destroyed by Qui-Gon. Jar Jar Binks shows the two Jedi the way to an underwater Gungan settlement, Odo Gunga, escaping the Trade Federation army. This is a really... By the way, we didn't get Odo Gunga or MTT or any of that from the movie, listeners, just so you know. That's us being uber nerds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the it's, it's interesting because this is a really... I love the environment here. It is, and it looks good. The like, bubble, the bubble city. A lot of people like complain and and point out the CGI. It looks good. The only CGI I didn't like in this scene was when they first jumped in the water because Jar Jar's waves don't match the water around him. I didn't and that's that. nitpicky. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, uh, there are my nitpicky where okay, this does look like bad CGI is Coruscant. If you look real close at Coruscant in the buildings out in the background. Those look pretty shitty, but the Gungan City, like underwater and all that, yeah. I thought that looked great. And I think Naboo, they obviously spent a long time on Naboo because every Naboo shot looked really good. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Trade Federation invades Naboo and captures Queen Amidala. The Jedi meet the Gungan leader, Boss Nas, <laughs> and ask him to help the people of Naboo. But Nas refuses and sends them off in a bongo submarine. Misa no like the Naboo. They are attacked by an OPC killer and a Colo Clawfish, but both fish are eaten by a Sando Aqua Monster because that's there's always a, there's bigger, always there's a bigger, bigger fish. fish. There's always a bigger fish. Always a bigger fish. <laughs> this is a weird part because there's a scene where they turn on the lights and you see this alligator thing in front of them. Jar Jar freaks the fuck out and they start to. F- Swim away, and you and McGregor says something that I don't think was supposed to be caught on film. He says he overdid it. It's in there, like he's he. Jar goes, ah, blah, 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 and then it stops, and you hear Obi Wan look and goes, "He overdid it." And the movie, and I'm like, should that have been in the fucking film? I never caught that. No. I mean, I remember the line, yeah. But now that you say that, that probably wasn't supposed to be. There. I wonder if that was an editing issue. May have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm thinking about it because like how much? Say the budget one more time. One hundred fifteen million dollars. Wait, fifteen uh, or fifty? Fifteen. Fifteen. One hundred and fifteen million, and like you can't get the mouth to match up. I understand it's nineteen ninety. <laughs> like you created another universe, but, but the but the robotics and the animatronics for that lip were just yeah. too difficult. No, <laughs> not happening. It was better in the first one. That's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Like, at least that one, like it's like Star Fox. <laughs> And another <laughs> reference to an old game. That was a good game. Make that movie. It, oh, no, 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 no. I see your wheels turning over there. It could work. <laughs> it, I'm telling you. It could work. It could work. I love Joel. The Jedi with Jar Jar Binks in tow, because they can't get rid of this guy now since he got a life debt with him, reach Theed, the did, capital city did, of Naboo, and rescue Queen Amidala from the Trade Defense Force. So did the people of Theed make the needs... Like the Lorax? Oh, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> crossover. <laughs> it could be I a crossover. speak for the feeds. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the person chopping down all those trees? That's <laughs> Captain Planet. <laughs> no, he was making the trees. <laughs> he was making the trees. Darth <laughs> Maul just cutting them down. <laughs> oh. They depart for Coruscant, the Galactic <laughs> Republic's capital planet, to ask for help from the Senate. An astromech droid named R2-D2 manages to repair the Queen's starship and then narrowly escape an attack from Federation battleships. Now, I know you're playing the character who has never seen it before. So me, as somebody who has seen it before, this scene bugged me a little bit. I can understand why. Explain. Introduce R2-D2 a little bit less. Smack me in the face. He's important. Like, What is his number? (laughs) R2-D2. It would have been great if he said R2-D... Is that a two? Yeah, now that would have been funny. But no, like they go out there. Obviously, that's a Z. Obviously, they're in danger, and like, there goes a droid. There goes a droid. Yeah, there goes a droid. There's only four of them. And in the amount of time, in the amount of time it took the blasters to eliminate the other three, he has triple that. I counted the seconds. It's about six seconds to to get rid of the other three. 18 seconds. 18 seconds. It takes him to put that little thing back on. And all of a sudden, the blasters miraculously missed. But no, that had to happen, and we had to have that moment because R2-D2 is important. I'm going to refer to something that you mentioned earlier, which is and when you're playing Destiny, your friend only had three shots left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for what one. if those were their three <laughs> shots right there? They were in three for three, and it was like, okay, load the cannons. We got one more fucking left. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right, I'll concede the point. <laughs> it's a stretch, but... But still, it's just like, that was my one. You can have him be heroic, but maybe, like, shoot one. Yeah. Five seconds. Not, like, one after the other. I think that's where they're going to the younger audience, because as a nine-year-old, I was like, that looks like R2-D2. That is R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> they said it. And and they, it's very hard in this day and age to have somebody who doesn't even know who R2-D2 is, even if they've never seen the movies. Right. I was waiting for your superpower. Well, here we go. So you see these four droids jump out. And you're like, oh, that's a cool little deal. They all go on deck, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. You're like, dude, if they, if they knock that other one off, they are <laughs> This <laughs> it, droid... It, 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 saves the day, and you think, okay, it's going to go back to its utilitarian spot. Go back where it's supposed to be. We've used you for what you're used for. You go back in there. Instead, they put him in front of the queen. I'm like, you know it's a 
fucking droid. It doesn't <laughs> know what the hell's going on. It's a ro- it, it, it's not sentient. You know, it, so I, I looked at it, I was like, this kind of it's R two D two man. Yeah, like what's like? Thank you for the acknowledgement. You make me feel so good. It's a fucking droid. It's like showing your laptop after you do a presentation. Be like, thank thank him. But this is a universe. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh man, and R two D two is my favorite. But that being said, the first droid you're introduced to have common sense for some reason or lack. Right. They have the ability to have conversations that are not just robotic. And so they've set up this universe of perhaps this droid is also so advanced that it does, it, it's for some reason gets dap from people and it <laughs> accepts it. You know what I'm saying? No. Okay, for instance, this droid, if you, if you positive said. Positive feedback. Yes, it gets positive <laughs> feedback and it's okay with it, it likes it. Okay. And I'm kind of wondering are all droids in this universe like this? Well, clearly the other three weren't. Well, we don't know. We never got to talk to them. They got blown off into space. The one in episode seven was. Yep. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that uh, BB uh, unit. BB. Oh, I love BB. That little soccer ball. Due to the damage to the strips, the strip. I due, thought you said strips. I'm like, what? what are due we to doing? the damage to the ship's hyperdrive sustained in the attack, the Queen's party is forced to land on the desert planet of Tatooine for repairs. While searching for a new hyperdrive generator, they befriend young Anakin Skywalker. A slave boy whose master is Watto, a Toydarian junk dealer. Watto has the required parts in stock, but Qui-Gon is unable to purchase them as Republic credits are worthless on Tatooine. So it's kind of nice. They're near a planet. It's too bad none of their shit works there. It also, this is also a cool little scene because it introduces you to, oh, there are people that don't like the Republic. Yes. Which is a very, that simple little phrase, and granted I pick up on it because... I have all my background in Star Wars, but since I don't have your superpower, I always like that scene to point out because, yeah, not everybody thinks the Republic is such a good idea. Yeah. And this is obviously the Huts. If you don't know what the Huts are yet, obviously these guys are pretty powerful, and they're kind of saying, fuck you to the Republic, and the Republic's not doing anything about it. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you see the little... Why is the first one you see? Yeah. I'm it, a toy daddy. No. And he calls the boy in. And the, it's kind of funny. The introduction to Anakin Skywalker comes with him in the background of something. And you're just kind of like, who's that fucking kid running around the shop? Really? This is who your shop friend is over here? That, that's who's running your shop? A fucking boy? Yep. And the first thing he, at, the first thing he says, I believe, is... Are yes, you an angel? He hits on the girl. Are him. you an angel? Way to go, boy. Well done, nine-year-old. Yeah. I was terrified of girls. I mean, I stared at them, but I was terrified of girls at nine. This kid is hitting on someone who's clearly a lot older than him. Yeah. <laughs> he yelled at Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of sitting there going, okay. Yeah, that whole thing. Strange conversation. When, when you know that, okay, at some point, these two are going to have to have kids. It's interesting because if you've never seen it before, you think, okay, because after he says that, it doesn't seem like they're flirting anymore. It just seems like I've heard about these things and wasn't sure because you're very pretty. And, you know, it's, it's a very friendly conversation that they have. And so they're starting to say, oh, we're introducing this new character, this, this little kid with the Bieber haircut. You go, okay, he must be important because now he's going to show him around tattooing. Right. Sure. Yeah. Anakin is gifted with piloting and mechanical abilities and has built an almost complete droid named C-3PO. Sipo. Yeah, it, it, kid's good with mechanics. It's good. Sipo. Prodigy, really. Yeah. 
I mean, he, he walks into his room. He's like, hey, you want to see my droid? And I'm like, it's going to be like a little fucking model. And no, it's a goddamn protocol droid. <laughs> <laughs> now we see two droids that are not the same interacting with each other because C-3PO and R2-D2 have a conversation. And you realize not only are they able to have a conversation, they know senses of humor, too. Right. Because R2 basically just says, you know, you're naked, motherfucker. <laughs> it's my, my pots are, <laughs> <laughs> are showing. <laughs> you're like, okay, R2D2, he's a sassy little trash can. Please yeah. tell me that somebody, <laughs> some comic or somebody has gone through the entire Star Wars movies and like filled in what R2D2 is actually saying. <laughs> like they have actually taken the dot the, the beeps and the dots and they just this is what he's saying. <laughs> and I picture like fuck being every other word. <laughs> like he is the real Samuel L. Jackson I was gonna in, say. <laughs> in Droid Four. At some point, because you know they've done those dubs on YouTube where it's like uh Darth Vader dubbed with Samuel L. Jackson. If you've never seen them, check them out. They're brilliant. But if they did with R2-D2, using all of his movie clips, like from Pulp Fiction and stuff, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tell me that would be awesome. <laughs> I am C-3PO. I don't care who you all be, bad mother. You're, you're <laughs> naked, idiot. <laughs> Put the mother clothes on. <laughs> Family Guy kind of did it in a way with Cleveland Brown. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that show. Uh, I've got that trilogy I do have. <laughs> <laughs> they were sold out of the Star Wars one, so I bought the Family Guy Star Wars ones. I'll let you borrow. There you go. But they do that. They dub over. Pew, pew. <laughs> pachoo, pachoo. Pew, pew. Gotcha. <laughs> you, While searching, you, don't, you don't need to do that. You and they'll do that in post. <laughs> <Well, laughs> <laughs> Qui-Gon senses a strong presence of the Force in Anakin and feels that he may be the chosen one. Does though, he by chance feel cold? The one who will fulfill a prophecy by bringing balance to the Force. So there's a prophecy. So there's a Force. Whatever that is. If you don't, oh, if you've yeah. never seen it, this is the first time you hear about the Force. Unless you watch them in the actual order and not this order. This is episode one. Technically, <laughs> this is how you start a book. You don't open a book to page 89. You start at page fucking one. Why would you fuck one? This anyway... <laughs> By entering Anakin into a pod race, Qui-Gon orchestrates a gamble in which the boy alone, since Qui-Gon was unable to include the youth's mother in the bargain, will be released from slavery while also acquiring the parts needed for their ship. The night before the race, Qui-Gon does a blood test on Anakin and discovers that the boy's midi-chlorian reading is off the chart. What the hell are midi-chlorians? I don't know, but apparently there's this dude named Yoda who has a whole bunch, and they're not nearly as much as this guy. Anakin wins the race. Oh, they just say Anakin wins the race? What's up with the f***ing race? This, this is one of the best scenes in the movie. The pod race is amazing. You can't say, ugh, on that. It no, looks it brilliant. Was. Yeah. So. They made a video game after it. I'm not saying it looks bad. Not what I'm saying. Every time I have ever watched this film, as soon as the pod race comes on, that is when I usually go to the bathroom or make a sandwich or bake a bowl of ice cream. And then when I come back from doing whatever I'm doing, the pod race is over and I continue to watch the movie. Joel, <laughs> Joel that's the one part I remember. I mean, like, if you say, like, were you looking forward to something? I said, yes, pod race. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. I don't know. I've never been into the pod race. The trailer, that's, everyone, that's when the music popped in the trailer. 
And everyone says the best thing about episode one is the pod race, and that is the one part, and I'm being honest, like people can vilify me all they want, but in all honesty, when that scene comes on, I usually take that as my mental cue of, oh, okay, it's the pod race, and I go do something else. The thing that the pod race did was it just provided something brand new to the Star Wars. I mean, say, even say that from the mindset of you watched the original trilogy, and now you're at something else, Mm -hmm. or now you're watching this picking up. And this is something new that we've never seen. You've seen droids, you've seen lightsabers, you've seen guns, you've seen all this, but you've never seen a... Just an entertaining race, a race just for something. Yeah, you saw the people in Jedi go through the forest, but that was for that was for survival or for battle. You never just saw something that was like NASCAR. Entertain- yes, yeah. yeah. It's you know, it's funny. Is there's there? You're right. There are, there's a couple things that I could skip over in this, and that is the announcer. <laughs> you know, pl- who who was announced by Greg Proops, the uh, comedian. Yeah, he did the voices of that. Uh, uh, he was from Whose Line Is It Anyway. He was okay. one of the guys on there. Yes. Uh, and uh, But you also introduced to this big guy, Jabba the Hut, you know, who's big as worm. Uh, and, it, and apparently he spits food out at gongs. Yes, he enjoys eating frogs. Or frog-like creatures, I guess. Sure. Which we'll live in that. deserts. Yep. Or he has them imported. My guess is he has them imported. He's in the import-export <coughs> business, that Jabba the Hut. He's, yeah. You didn't think he was in the import-export As business? someone with these superpowers, I don't know anything about this fucker right now. Well, I'm sorry He's an importer-exporter. He's definitely an importer <laughs> Does he focus exporter. more on the importing or the exporting? <coughs> yes. He is both. Vandalay <laughs> Industries is what it <laughs> developed into. Uh Anakin wins the race and joins the team as they head for Coruscant, where Qui-Gon plans to seek permission from the Jedi High Council to train Anakin to be a Jedi, because apparently he's got some Force stuff in him. There you go. Yeah. Gotta love those midichlorians. Uh, well, we're going to get to that, because, again, if you don't know the Force, this is your first introduction to what it is. Midichlorians are be- uh, organisms inside our blood cells that help us manipulate the Force, right? If you don't know the other three movies, and this is how you hear about it. Every boy sits there going, I've got blood. Maybe they're in me too. I can see that now. Looking at it from that angle, you just captured every kid in that theater who's ever had a scraped knee and has seen their own blood. Go, I got, are, Mom, do I have them? Now I can see why <coughs> the original trilogy people would be pissed off at this because they like the mystical nature of it, but... I didn't mind it when I first saw it. I was like, cool. Works for me. I didn't. None of this bothered me. I thought this was all great stuff. What'd you think? Midi-chlorians. Oh, j- Star Wars is great. We don't need to nitpick okay. this, that. All right. It's great. It's perfect <laughs> the way it is. Uh, they make no mistakes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said uh, something I coming I was going to say, no, please. From, we have please, foreshadowing Please here. hold that quote because we're going to need that quote later. From the, eighth, from the nine-year-old mindset of watching this. Don't, oh, even, I, don't even care. It's just I'm happy that I'm getting to see a Star Wars in my lifetime in a theater. It was just it's just a great experience. Yep. So in my mind, I'm like, no, I don't. There, everything's everything's awesome. This is the, this is great. Everything no. is awesome. Everything is. You had cool to say that. <laughs> everything is awesome. Finish it. You know you want to. When you live in a dream. Meanwhile, Darth Sidious. 
<laughs> anyway, those next three words. <laughs> Meanwhile, Darth Sidious sends his apprentice Darth Maul to kill the two Jedi and capture the Queen. <clears throat> Maul appears just as the group is leaving the planet and duels with Qui-Gon. The fight is cut short when Qui-Gon manages to escape his black-robed assailant by jumping on board the Naboo Royal Starship as it takes off. And I remember thinking during this fight, holy shit, a Jedi's about to die. Yeah. Like, because Qui-Gon does not look good fighting this guy. Maul definitely looks like he is the better fighter. And when he gets away and he sort of falls back and stumbles back up that ramp, I'm like, damn, mm -hmm. there's somebody better than the Jedi. If that ship hadn't been there, Qui-Gon's dead. Oh, easily. Easily. Uh, and then they, they, they get on the ship, and the little boy, Anakin, is introduced to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And everybody who's seen the movies before and goes, yes. And everybody who's never seen them goes, Okay. You're a Jedi, too? You're a Jedi, too? Yeah, and you're like, yeah, okay, innocent little <coughs> friendship. Not knowing at all where this thing is going to go. Yeah. On Coruscant, Qui-Gon informs the Jedi Council of the mysterious attacker he encountered on Tatooine. I believe he was a Sith. I believe he was trained in the Jedi arts. So apparently there's this thing called Sith. Yes. Got it? So there's a Sith, and we're going to assume that Sith are bad guys to the Jedi. <laughs> because of that being's obvious mastery of the Jedi arts, the Council becomes concerned that this development may indicate the reappearance of the Sith, a religious order who were followers of the dark side of the Force and thought to be long gone. Dun, da, da, da. So the light side and the dark side. Oh. What's the dark side like? I want to see what that's all about, because that guy looks bad. And he looks cool with that red and black paint. Mm -hmm. and the little, oh, wait, we haven't seen the horn things yet. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We've only seen the cloak on him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Qui-Gon also informs the council about Anakin, hoping that he can be trained as a Jedi. After testing the boy and deliberating with one another, the council refuses, deeming him too old for training according to the Jedi Code. He's now, too old. Can I just say, they didn't look like they were going to bring him in anyway. No. No. I'll be honest. This scene kind of makes you, if if you are using your magical yeah. powers and watching from the beginning, it's like, wow, this Yoda, Mace Windu guy? like hey, they're assholes. These guys are jerks. When you look at it from that standpoint, you go... What pricks? Yeah, these guys are jerks. Yeah, like it's like a friar's club of yeah. guys, and they're like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, not this one. And it's best, because even better is when they first say, like, they finally agree to train him, and Mace Window has this look on his face like, bring the boy before us. Like, we, like we don't have anything better to do. Yeah. Than they're, to see they're... if your boy is okay. And, <laughs> and looking back on it, you very much get a sense of, wow, the Jedi really were arrogant assholes. Yes. It was like, this is a question that you all know more than I do. Is this a question that they got a lot? Did the council, were people just bring in people, no. like, prospective Jedis? The council be like, this no, is the one, my, this is my, the next one. My guess is the council did not deal with this on a daily basis. And that may have been probably mm. part of the frustration is, like, we're seriously taking time away from council business to decide whether or not somebody's going to be a youngling. And they explained before that that <clears throat> if, this, if he was born in the Republic, he would have been identified early yeah. and started, which means that chances are they probably have a whole crew of people working underneath the Jedi Council. We're just recruiting little kids all over the place, which is a little creepy to think about. Uh, but they don't have to deal with that stuff. I think he's brought before them because it's the chosen one, possibly. Which apparently that's a really big deal. And yet they're kind of like, kit. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if he's the chosen one and there's a possibility this guy could turn evil, we don't want anything to do with it. Well, why wouldn't you try to guide the motherfucker? Help him. Otherwise, he will be evil. Because apparently Yoda is an asshole. I think Mace Windu had more to do with it. Yeah, he did. In that moment right there, Mace Windu seemed like the one who was kind of like... I mean, we do find out later that Yoda pretty much... Yoda looks 
like an idiot, and I, I know that sounds incredibly sacrilegious, but Yoda looks like an idiot throughout most of the prequels because every time somebody goes to him for an answer, he gives a non-answer. Every, every <laughs> single time. <laughs> like, even later on, Ahsoka Tano in the series is like, oh, well, I always went to Yoda or Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan actually gave you an answer. Yeah. Yoda never answers a question. He doesn't throughout the entire movie, series, everything. And when you do look at it from that kind of perspective, looking from the beginning, it's like, why Why do people listen to this guy? Well, he doesn't he, really tell you anything, and it seems like he knows nothing. Why? Because the dark side was obviously doing a really good job of not letting him see what's going on. And he must have been somebody that was so used to knowing exactly what was going on, hence well, something he says in episode five, I think he let his pride get to him. Yeah. Like, he thought himself all-powerful in all this, so they do show him as a little bit arrogant in these prequels because he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it, A, because he wasn't looking for it, and B, because he figured he was so powerful he would have seen the dark side. And he has one of the most famous lines in the movie, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, which ultimately is, if you watch the entire series, Anakin's entire arc. Spoilers. Yes. Yeah, it's his entire arc. Yeah. He knows how to write fortune cookie wisdom. Yeah. He does. Sometimes it doesn't isn't specific at all, but <laughs> they are also concerned due to their sensing of a sem- seemingly clouded future and a strong presence of fear in the boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Senator Palpatine, warning of the corruption in the Senate, advises Queen Amidala to call for a vote of no confidence in Supreme Chancellor Valorum. Seeing no alternative, the Queen takes his advice when she addresses the Senate. Palpatine is among the candidates to replace the Supreme Chancellor, and the Queen later announces to Palpatine that she herself will return to their home planet to repel the invasion of her people. Now, that scene, I remember specifically as a kid thinking, oh, that's great. Her nice, friendly old guy is going to like be the guy in charge. When I watched it in college with my friends for the first time, I remember watching that scene and being like, f***er, he planned this thing the whole time. And I don't think Revenge of the Sith had come out yet. I think it had just been the first two. And I remember specifically watching that. And when he comes marching in all smug and happy saying, they've announced me, I'm like, you f***er, you did this the whole time. See, I didn't get that. I I remember specifically, I was sitting on my bed in my dorm room, and I remember watching it on a tiny little TV, and I'll never forget just thinking, he's you dude and i just but that's the thing that was it, my little epiphany it's still between him and two other guys bale and tilly's it's remember he's not chosen oh first. i'm like who the hell else could be behind because he's asking for her vote no i understand what you're yeah saying. it's him bale and tilly's and some other guy that doesn't fucking matter in the universe somebody from Malastare. yeah uh so he's put himself in a position to help out naboo it seems like to help out padme get what she wants Seems like a nice ally to have. Yeah. Seems that way. Um, meanwhile, Sen- Senator Palpatine, warning of the corruption in the Senate, advises Queen Amidala. I just read that. Uh, she is frustrated. Yeah, she is frustrated by the Senate's deliberation and lack of action. And feels that even if Palpatine is elected chancellor, it will be too late. The Jedi Council sends the two Jedi to accompany the Queen back to Naboo, hoping to shed light on any Sith involvement. So we're on Naboo, we're off Naboo. We're on Naboo, we're off Naboo. <laughs> She's got to change her wardrobe again, so there's no time for sleep. Yeah. Queen, uh, yeah, she did, She changes her wardrobe like 12 times. She has never seen in the same clothing once. That's amazing. <laughs> and yet... It, and, appa- and in the making of, they laid out all of her dresses. She had like 27 dresses. 
I didn't think she was in 27 scenes. Apparently, Kira Knightley no. would cry at the end of all of her scenes because of how uncomfortable the dresses, the dresses were? were. I believe it. They don't look fun no, to wear. They look horrible. No. Uh, Queen Amidala, back on Naboo, attempts to locate the Gungans at Otogunga. But Jar Jar, after searching Otogunga, informs him that it was abandoned. Where the fuck did they go? That's convenient. He then leads them to a sacred area, where, which it, he was certain they were at. Upon arriving at the Gungan sacred place, Amidala negotiates with Boss Nas to form an alliance and unite in battle against the Trade Federation. Interestingly enough, oh my gosh, that little girl is the queen. This is not a good reveal. You okay. knew it. You knew it already. Yeah, I did. Because it's not like the makeup job was like face-forming. I didn't like this. This was supposed to be a big reveal in the movie, and it was played up as such with the music and all that stuff, but it doesn't work. But it's kind of funny to watch. But the problem is, is I think adults knew it. I don't think nine-year-old Joe or nine-year-old Jamie or nine-year-old Joel would have figured that out. You're probably right. You know, it is kind of funny to see that Qui-Gon probably knew. Because when you go back after that scene and look, he says things to her when they're on Tatooine like, I'm going to say something to you and just see if you're going to finally reveal if it. you're going to react. Yeah. yeah. The queen's not here. Is well, she? Well, 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 I don't approve. <laughs> but Obi-Wan gives him a look when, she, when that happens like, me. And I'm like, you're not ready to be a Jedi Knight yet. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly missed something right in your face. It was right under your nose. Captain Panaka and several other security forces were also dispatched to rescue anyone imprisoned in the Trade Federation's prison camps, although they were only able to successfully extract a handful. Not a very good security force. Apparently not. Next, Amidala informs Qui-Gon and Nas of her battle strategy. With the Grand Gungan Army acting as a distraction to the bulk of the main Trade Federation forces, the Naboo resistance led by Amidala, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan will infiltrate Theed via a secret entrance located inside one of the waterfalls. Not the needs. Not the needs. <laughs> the Lorax is nowhere to be found, even though they are in the trees. Uh, uh. <laughs> this is really beautiful. The whole scene in the forest, and then when they're go, the, you see the army going towards the city. Yeah, that looks phenomenal da, still. Da, 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 and I know that's all CGI, da, 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 but damn if it doesn't hold up ba, still. Ba, da, da. That was good, ba, da, da. especially for 1999. Yeah. It's easy to look back and it'd be 2016 and us like say, "Oh, there, that's that's that." That's that. Yeah, but <laughs> that, that 1999. <laughs> yeah. Newt Gunray, taking the bait regarding the Gungan army, informs Darth Sidious about the Grand Army. The latter then promptly ordering Gunray to wipe out the Gungans and the Naboo as the Trade Federation prepares for battle. Captain Ross Ruse Tarples, who's oh Jaja. You and Big Dudu now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Been wanting to do that all day. <laughs> you practiced, didn't you, before we got here? The captain orders the Gungan Grand Army to step, start up their shield. Step up their shield. To start up their shield to protect start them. Start up the shields. From ranged attack. OOM9. I guess that's the general of the robots. Yeah, the. OOM9. The, the yellow one? or The one with the yellow paint. Not the red one. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> has his tanks fire first, but seeing them fail to penetrate the powerful shield, orders them to cease fire. Failed penetration. <laughs> Misfire. The sperm could not get <laughs> through the egg. Uh, let's see. It says Daltre Dauphine? Daltre Dauphine. Yeah. Gives the command to activate the battle droids. These droids march through the shield, 
So apparently it can't block, or it can block blasters, but not yeah. robots. So it blocks energy, but not matter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we need Miss Butch. Yeah. <laughs> After much fighting against the Federation's droid army, defeat for the Alliance seems imminent. However, victory comes when young Anakin Skywalker accidentally takes control of a starfighter and goes on to destroy the Federation's droid control ship from the inside, killing Dofine and rendering the droid army, army? the droid army useless. Look at me, I'm Anakin. Now, this is this is kind of funny because you have how did Anakin get in the fucking pilot seat anyway to begin with? Uh, he was told to hide. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was told to hide. Hide. Don't don't leave that ship. <laughs> and then he reminds us three times. No, it's the autopilot, guys. It's not me. <laughs> it's the <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> he's, just, he's like autopilot. And then three two minutes later. But to be honest, until Droid Tales made fun of that whole scene, mm-hmm. I didn't get any of it because I was just like <gasps> lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. The so, but even better is how he uses Qui Gon's advice to get him out of. Any responsibility. He told me to stay in the ship. I'm just staying in the ship. At the same time. In the Theed hangar bay, Darth Maul, an apprentice of the Darth Sidious, engages in combat with two Jedi using a double-bladed lightsaber. I'm sorry. When that second blade came out, I was like, I know, again, Droid Tales <laughs> makes fun of it. That's an interesting way to hold the one, bl- the traditional one-bladed lightsaber. <laughs> two blades? <laughs> <laughs> but when that first happened, I remember like st- wanting to stand up in the theater, and be like, oh, "That happened! That was awesome!" Because that was just cool. I think every when I, you saw the double bladed lightsaber, what did you think? I think everyone. First of all, we had seen it already in the trailer. They gave it away in the trailer. That I must not have seen the trailer because yeah. I remember seeing it for the first time when I watched. But the I remember seeing it in the trailer for the first time and. I'm pretty sure I got as close to being like to my pants <laughs> as I've ever been watching a movie. So it just had to turn you on that little. It was like all it takes. you know, because up until then, all you've seen is the one blade, and he flips that thing over. You're like, what the hell? Oh shit! And then I thought to myself, well, he's still gonna lose because. If they both swing at the same time, you can't block both. (laughs) (laughs) You would do that. (laughs) Joel, Joel, what'd you think? If we're going to... I mean, it was awesome. It was definitely awesome. <laughs> but if we're gonna, if we want to like break it apart, it made a terrible toy. Do you remember how hard it was to oh be like, God. yes, both of them same? No, <laughs> both <laughs> of them same? No. no. <laughs> One side stop. <laughs> Other <laughs> side stop. Yeah. You almost had to literally spin it spin around it to get in order to get going. both of them. To well, go I've at the never same time. tried spinning it. Yeah, <laughs> you would. You would spin it. Whew. Which is funny because that is a Darth Maul move in it. He spins it like this and grabs that one piece, throws it at the Gosh. light thing, I'm, and opens the door. I'm pretty sure he doesn't spin it all, like whatever I'm getting all excited thinking about it. The battle moves from the hangar <laughs> across a series of catwalks to the Thneed generator complex. He's so sexy. During the fight, Obi-Wan On the catwalk. is separated from his <laughs> master when he is kicked off a catwalk. And falls. He grabs the edge of another catwalk <laughs> below <laughs> and jumps back up. 
to where Qui-Gon and Maul continue to fight. By this time, Qui-Gon and Maul have become separated by a force field in the entrance. You're getting Irish on us. (laughs) A force Uh, field? (laughs) I'm not sure what's going on. The force field. (laughs) (laughs) Are you weak to me? Some creamy sauce. Uh, Obi-Wan catches up to them, but is divided by his master by four force fields. Damn, math. When if, the four- if, <laughs> if, I, if I may interject there, didn't it seem when he first got on the catwalk, they were a lot closer? Yes. And it then is, all of a sudden- When he leaps back up, like the distance he now has to cover, and I'll be honest, now that you said something about the force speed at the Thank beginning, you. I'm like, I'm, what? He could have caught up. How could he not just go? Yes. Yeah, I call bull. Uh, that was a cool sound, though. Uh, whatever Ben Burt <laughs> did to come up with that the force field sound, that was cool. Yeah. One of the cooler scenes of the movie. Yes. Anything to do with the, anyone being stuck behind the force field? Underrated, <laughs> just aspect of the movie. And and we get a good idea of the difference between the Sith and the Jedi. Qui Gon yep. gets on his knees and, and starts, starts to meditating. relax, Medi- oh. meditate. Darth Maul. Paces like a pit bull, ready to pounce. And you're just like, yeah, someone's dying right now. <laughs> well, Obi-Wan catches up to them, but is divided from his master by four force fields. When the force field deactivates, Jin and Maul continue their battle, while Kenobi remains divided by the bat- from the battle by one force field. Damn math. When they all reactivate, after a lengthy duel, Maul suddenly hits Qui-Gon Jin on the chin with his lightsaber handle, stunning him, and then rams him in the belly, straight, <laughs> mortally wounding him. Devastated, Obi-Wan redoubles his assault upon Maul, chops the Sith lightsabers in ha- Sith's lightsaber in half, but Maul eventually overpowers and nearly cl- kills Kenobi when he force pushes him over the edge of a seemingly endless reactor shaft. And when Obi-Wan comes out pissed... I'm convinced nobody in the galaxy can beat this guy at this point. Oh no! His no. moves—he does—he does this one shot with a sword where he throws it behind his back, and you're like, yeah, "It's over, Maul. Yeah, you—you—you you, you, you done killed his master. You pissed him <laughs> off." But it's kind of funny because, again, this is an example. That Qui-Gon gets killed, but you never see the lightsaber penetrate him because they didn't want to put that in film. No, no impalements. No Wasn't impalements. Disney at the time, though. That's true. This was George Lucas saying, this is family. Which is ironic because what comes up with Maul next, we see something a little bit different. (laughs) Thanks, George. Train the boy. Because not only does he chop Maul in half, but you see blood mist. For a second. For a second. Yeah, but it's like golden eye mist. (laughs) Golden eye. (laughs) Like when you die in golden eye, it goes, wah. (laughs) The screen goes red. (laughs) All right. Obi-Wan saves himself from falling when he manages to grab onto a pipe that just happens to be protruding from the wall of the shaft. (laughs) Pipe shaft, go on. (laughs) Go on. As long as there's a length of it. Maul then kicks the Jedi's lightsaber into the pit and prepares to finish him off. But he doesn't. He just dicks around with them, just sparking them a little bit like... Try these sparks. Try these ones. After Obi-Wan calms himself, <laughs> he uses the Force to jump out of the shaft and summons his fallen master's lightsaber to penetrate his assailant. 
Within an instant, he lands behind the surprised Maul and cuts him in half. Maul's upper and lower body fall into the shaft with no blood. Well, with the blood mist. Other than the mist, yes. But you also see... You see his body fall, and then it separates Separate. after the first hit, like, <laughs> and he's still like, Maul is still looking up, like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, was that a Jedi? <laughs> like, like that a, old fart I did a second ago, <laughs> like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> yeah, it really was an easy kill, though. Yeah, it was. After the battle, the Jedi Council names Obi Wan a Jedi Knight. Yes. Way to use rage to get what you want. You did it! Kenobi... <laughs> use the dark side. You'll get what you want on the light side. Kenobi conveys his master's wish regarding Anakin Skywalker to Yoda, who reluctantly allows him to become Obi-Wan's apprentice. Qui-Gon's body is cremated, and Mace Windu and Yoda agree that the Sith are definitely to blame for the tragedy, not us being assholes. Being that there are only ever two Sith at any given time, a master and an apprentice... Both masters believe that one must still remain. This pissed me off. Okay. And the reason why it pissed me off is because, again, I tried to watch this as a new viewer. If they, don't, if they say that line and they don't go right to Palpatine's face afterwards, it is a phenomenal mystery of who it is. But they said a master or apprentice, or the apprentice or the master, and it immediately goes right to Palpatine's side profile, and you know he's behind it. And that pisses me off because that reveal that's done in Revenge of the Sith later on means nothing now. Because well, you gave it a, you just gave it away. But I feel like I figured it out before episode three anyway. I figured I figured it out in episode two. But I, I'll be honest, now after what you just said, I did not realize that as soon as they said that they they went to Palpatine. I didn't I didn't catch that. The other thing that we get here is Palpatine meets the young boy, Anakin. Ooh, and, and I shall follow your career with great interest. And you're just like, oh, that's a nice that's thing for a senator to say, you know? Creepy for an old guy to well, say. Well, it's, like it's like a politician kissing a baby. Yeah, that makes it better. You do know that po- that's a constant trope with politicians kissing the babies for votes and all that? Yeah, because tropes are what we need to get things done. But you understand <laughs> it. God damn it. But you know what I'm saying, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so don't ask a question. <laughs> I didn't ask your question. Th- there's <laughs> another, there's another interesting point to this that, and that is when this movie came out, Yoda was originally just a puppet and an ugly ass puppet at that. Yeah, he didn't look good. But they the, tried to make him look young. He aged a lot. That's another funny thing. The conversation that Yoda has with Obi Wan is the same lines as it was in the first time that they showed with the puppet. But Frank Oz re-recorded them with the CGI, and Yoda's pissed off in this one. As the puppet, he was simply just chastising, like, agree with you. In this one, he's slamming his cane on the ground. He's pissed off, and he's, his tone is very, very, like, everyone voted except for me, and I don't like it. It's, you watch it again. With, yeah, find I'm, the puppet I'm, version. I don't, I don't remember him throwing anything. No, no, no. He slams his cane on the ground when he's holding it. He's like, <laughs> like that. And it's, it's much more angry. Huh. Yoda I'll, is showing anger that in that moment. I didn't, I didn't catch no, that I took No, I took a picture of the screen yesterday while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just him, just this side glare. He's, he's pissed. Just like his, his brow's just straight the whole time. He's not the happy... 
person that you remember from the first three movies of being like the uplifting old Jedi. Yeah. It's very just condescending, like I'm I'm just I don't have time for this. Well, and the funny thing is, is in the end, he's right to not trust the boy, but he's a, he goes about it as a jerk. He's going about it in a way that's very jerky. And I mean, we knew Mace wasn't for the boy joining. Yeah, up. clearly. So that means that if they were voted, if they voted on, both Mace and Yoda said no, and everybody else probably said yes. Yeah. And now their rule on the council is being challenged. So you have egos you're dealing with now too. Yeah, that's a good point, which also explains why Yoda, if you take him from the beginning, when does Yoda ever become a good guy? Uh, if, if you when he well, second no, movie. <laughs> no, think about think about it for a second. No, because even in the second movie, he's still demeaning and he still doesn't really answer anybody's questions. Yeah. If you watch him from episode four, five, and six, and then the beginning, you get the sense, oh, he's this nice, loving guy because your first introduction is him picking on Luke. Mm -hmm. So you get this sense of a lovable Yoda. If you watch him from the beginning, when does he ever not appear to be an asshole? When he's working with the younglings. That's the you're right. And that's, that's an episode two. That, that's the only scene though. Every other time he appears an asshole. Yeah, probably. Well, we can analyze that more as we go on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right on that one. He does have a lot more of an asshole tendency throughout this yeah. entire. If you start from the beginning. Yeah. The Naboo and Gungans organize a great victory party. Which is the same. It's it's a it's a. The melody, is apparently. Very, very similar to the Emperor's Throne Room melody. Oh, is it? Which I never noticed before no. until I read it, and then I listened to both, and I was like, I kind of hear the melodic similarities. Uh, I just hear the drums. Then you have... In front of the palace, Obi-Wan and Anakin Music. Are are present, <laughs> the younger now wearing... Yeah, anytime I bring up music, you point out how little I know about it. Now wearing formal Jedi attire and in his hair in a special parade. Oh, rat tail. The, par the mark of a Jedi Padawan, Queen Amidala presents a gift of appreciation and friendship to Boss Nass. Here's a big ball a of light. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, she is clearly looking down at his feet. <laughs> so they told her the absolute wrong eyeline for that CGI. Because if you watch that, she is staring at his crotch, it looks like. And he is looking straight at her. So he's looking straight and she's looking down and neither one is looking at each other. He's the boss for a reason. <laughs> this is not the first time we've seen a glowing ball. We saw them on the battlefield. They were bombs. Yeah. So if you don't know what the hell that is, you're thinking, did she's hand is a bomb? Yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> I was just oh, thinking. Right. I was just thinking. I hope she makes to make sure to give Chewie a medal. Yeah, but it's kind of fun to see a celebration. It's like, okay, yeah. good. They've united. Bum, 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 and interestingly bum, bum. enough, although this movie is very like it starts this saga that expands the entire galaxy, it is a very local story. Yes, this it's whole thing starts just at Naboo. At Naboo, and when you look at it, and you kind of go, "Wow." That little spot right there, and then you go to this little spot over here on Tatooine and pick up this little kid, bring him back over here. It's like you just added all the wrong ingredients. For an entire galaxy. <laughs> for an get entire <laughs> 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 we can't fight a war for you, but I guess we're gonna. So this movie ends after you've just rewatched it. What you think after watching it? Uh, 
Oh, no. That I enjoyed it, but I wish I still could watch it as the ninth grader that I was. Uh-huh. And now I'm a little bit mad at myself for trying to be picky. I mean, I still enjoy it. Yeah. I still watch it all the time. But I actually have pet peeves now. Whereas oh. I remember watching this movie so many times as a kid. Yeah. Or not as a kid, but as a young adult college student. And I could watch it the whole way through and just enjoy it. And now I watch it and I notice things that bug me. I notice little nitpicky things. That's my frustration. And I'm almost angry at society for that. And that's my own beef. That's Mm. my own anger. It's like, do I look at it with these nitpicky things because I've heard from other fanboys that I'm supposed to hate this movie? And if I'm being honest, I've never hated this movie. Right. I never have. It's always been... One of my favorites because, and I'm sure this is probably the same with Joel, this is one of the, I think it is the first one I ever saw in a movie theater. And so it will always be that for me. I mean, you you saw the special editions in the theater, though. Nope, I didn't. Oh. So Phantom Menace would have been the first (laughs) one I ever saw in the theater. I watched it so many times on DVD. I'm pretty sure I have the special features memorized. (laughs) <laughs> and then all of a sudden, these people I was trying to impress in college and trying to fit in with the cliques and groups in college and all that stuff, they're telling me that this movie that I've loved since I was a kid isn't as good. And because I'm still insecure in my own identity, I'm like, oh, well, I, I probably need to watch this and, and realize there's something wrong with it. And it's not until now as an adult that I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. No, this is still a good movie. And I'm tired of people pissing on it because it's a terrible movie. It's not. It's a good movie. So what I think after watching this movie, I wish I could still get the enjoyment without having to convince myself that I'm enjoying my jo- enjoying it. Joel? I'm with you. I mean, it's a very condescending, just negative. When people want to review stuff, they look for negatives anyways. Yeah. And I, I got kind of a little hot looking at the reviews yesterday because everything was below like 55%. And I know you all have talked about like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. And I don't know exactly what it's all about, but everything was like three out of five. Yeah. It was just poor reviews. I'm like, I don't know if th- what the expectations were that they had coming into this movie with anything in life. If you just get these expectations in your mind, you're, you're just waiting to be let down. If you just build up expectations and maybe over time, it just wasn't what they thought it was going to be. But I'll, I mean, I'll get to it later. It was the movie it was supposed to be. It was yeah, the movie yeah. that it needed to be. But I just remember starting the movie just thinking, this thing is about a trade embargo? <laughs> like, <laughs> I had you know what? no a, idea. That's not something you can't get away from, is that it no. starts from that. And, and it's, that's pretty. That's a pretty cop-out thing. It is, but again, if you're an adult, you understand, and you can understand why that'd be a problem. Okay, trade is a problem, but as a nine-year-old, you're like, what the hell is a trade embargo? Right. Why do I care? Right. It's like this. If your friend Tommy wanted some pudding cups from you, and you decided to give him a pudding cup every single day, what and the hell's a pudding cup? A cup of. I know what a pudding. Yeah. Pudding. Do you not know, or are you just being funny? I was just being a nine-year-old who oh, I'm God. pretty sure has never seen a pudding cup. And you, and then your friend sits next to you, in between you and that boy, and now he can't get your pudding cup. You're gonna want that kid to go, right? Yeah, there's the trade embargo. Joe, what'd you think after watching this movie? Okay, the first time I saw this, I was like, "Whoa, that was sweet." Then I went through a phase of being a follower and just bashing it because it wasn't the original trilogy because, you know, you go through that phase of just wanting to fit in it again. Yeah. Finally, as I got used to understanding the story structure and seeing how it fits within the entire hexology at the time, I guess, is that a hexology? Six movies? Yeah. Yeah. 
Hexology? Just don't be hexed like, by it. I recognized how good it actually was as a first movie. It establishes so what much. you need to know for the rest of the films. Yep. And I think what happened with the critics, because you're right, there was a disconnect with what they were expecting. And part of the problem is what happened with the story. If this movie doesn't end with a celebration at the end and all that, thus creating a closure point to what is supposed to be a full story, what is the conflict in this movie? There isn't one. There isn't one. And so because what even, did, the, even the Sith and the Jedi has been resolved by the end of the movie. You introduce something, you end with a celebration, but in the middle of it, there's really nothing that happens. Well, you're right. And that might be part of the problem is that some critics looked at this and said, hey, this is not a complete movie. It's not a standalone movie at all. And others, the ones that probably liked it, were like, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be the first chapter of an entire series. And that's how you start it. So I think that's probably what the problem was. Yeah. My, my interpretation, of course. Okay, <clears throat> things that worked well. So for me, that worked well. I love Jake Lloyd's performance. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I wish there was more Qui-Gon Jinn. I feel like sometimes he would be a little Yoda-esque in him saying things, and I'd be like, you could give a little more exposition. So I, I kind of wish there was more Qui-Gon. I really liked how the lightsaber battles worked. As far as what really worked well, I mean the Jedi. The Jedi worked really well. I'll get into other stuff. It's not that the other everything else was necessarily bad. No. But what worked the best to me was the Jedi. Joel? None of the other stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn, the dialogue, especially being an adult, being able to reflect on what he's saying, I love that. And mm -hmm, I just yeah. ate up everything that he said in the whole movie, and that worked well. And I'm like, you, I wish there would have been a little bit more of it. He's a great teacher. Yes. yes. And yes. I feel like there's so much more that he could have taught, and we didn't get it. Yeah, but right. But then maybe that's the sense of loss we're supposed to feel. Until they do a standalone. Uh, On Qui-Gon? Yeah, oh, Qui-Gon. No. There's the Joss Whedon there movie. There you go. I like the newness. I mean, it's it's clearly in the past, but I like the newness of bringing new ships, the pod racers, stuff like this, while still managing to make it. Somehow it was in the past, but it made it look like it's even more in the future. Yeah. Which maybe that's something that doesn't work well. I don't know. <laughs> no, I just I looked at something that Joe had wrote, and I'm so pissed at myself for not realizing it. You had written down Duel of Yes, Duel of the Fates, and the, the soundtrack was amazing in this movie. So you took okay, yeah, thanks. So I, nice. I saw, Wait, I, they, hey, I saw that, but like, can I have my thunder back? <laughs> You're the editor. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You could just cut that all out. Gone. Okay. <laughs> and it's fun, like it's a thing that everyone else says that doesn't work well. After we've talked about it, the way they present the movie is what works for this movie. You needed to see at some point. Yes, yeah, sure. If say it's childish with Jar Jar, whatever. In order to understand why Vader gets so bitter, why he takes such a harsh turn to the dark side, you have to understand that there was a positive time for him at some point. You have to he cared about things. Exactly. You had to know that he had a heart, that he was able to smile, that he was able to laugh, that he was able to just, like, flirt with the queen that's older than him. You have to be able to see that, and you're not, you can't make that a dark movie. No. You just have to have an enjoyable first movie. And even the, ki the kid played it well. He may not mm -hmm. be everyone's favorite actor, but he did what he's supposed to do. Well, I, I think he did fantastic. I love yeah. Jake Lloyd's performance. I think people wanted more darkness out of the kid, which he wasn't there yet. No. And But I also think that they established a psychology with this kid, which haunts him later on, which is that he has been the man of his house, making decisions with his mother's support. Yep. 
which means that no one has really challenged him. And so what he does, because he has this ability, usually works. Mm -hmm. And so he has only that to trust. And it's why later in those movies, he has such a problem uh, understanding why people don't trust him. And when you look at that, it started when he was a kid. The minute he's ripped away from his mother, the one person who supports him, he goes to a council of people who don't trust him. Yeah. And he's denied there, but he's taken in reluctantly. Obi-Wan seems to be the only other person that's like a father figure to this guy. Yeah. You kind of sit there going, okay, well, I want to see where this is going to go now. Because if this is where it's starting off, it is the dark character we want to see. It just hasn't manifested yet. Yeah. Now, for me, some of the digital effects still hold up 17 years later. They just do. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are very beautiful. I mean, you could improve a lot of them if a special edition came out, but they work for the most part. Lightsabers have always worked since 1977. Yeah. Crisp environments. You can, you can tell that this was a huge step in digital filmmaking and has been improved upon with every movie since. The story makes sense and has very few plot holes to it that are alarming because when you look at it in the series, it works. Yeah. Each character has a place in the story, and the soundtrack, John Williams, you know, some people, I remember at the time, were like, well, what's he going to do? Is he going to use some of the same themes as before? And the first thing that we had released was Duel of the Fates with the music video that won an MTV award that year yeah. for best music video. And I remember watching that thing on repeat. We had the VHS tape. We put it on there, watched it over and over again. The tape got all ratted up because we were just trying to find every little thing in the movie. Like, oh, what's that? What's that going to be? Oh, this is what the story's going to be. And we tore that thing apart. Yep. So, Duel of the Fates is still one of, I would say, my top five favorite pieces of music in Star Wars. If not, one, if the favorite piece. Yep. So, that's what I think. Things that didn't work now. Alien dialogue. Yes. That's my biggest pet peeve throughout the whole movie is alien dialogue. The, the gun rays and Jar Jar Binks. Did you buy the whole everybody's, like, using racist stereotypes thing at the time? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't get into any of that. Yeah. My frustration with Jar Jar Binks, yes, he was funny in all of this, but I felt like his body was comical. You didn't need to make his voice comical. It's one of those things where, like, when you're doing comedy, you're either funny because of what you say or you're funny because of what you do. When you do both, you're Jerry it's, Lewis. It's, it's overdone. Or Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis or Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis. Yeah. yeah. And so I think. If they did the redub, where it's him talking in an alien accent with text, it would be so much better. Yeah. The other thing that really bugs me, and this is me being incredibly nitpicky, but it bugged me throughout the entire movie, Ewan McGregor's early lightsaber battles. If you watch him when he's first walking through, he's like, it almost looks like he's phoning it in. And like, it's sort of like... Was he going so slow so they could time the CGI? Like, you almost get why he's doing it, but it's like, wow, that was bad. Like, it just looks slow and clunky. Yeah. And then when you watch the Duel of the Fates fight, you're like, this fucker can fight. <laughs> like, if you if you take him fighting the droids at the beginning of the movie and him fighting Maul at the end, it's almost like two completely different fighting styles. And again, because I watched the special features so much, I zeroed in on that. But every time I watch the movie, I, I cringe at those early parts because Qui-Gon, and again, he's the master, so that makes sense. He looks so proficient, and Ewan just looks like, dude, is this your first time holding a lightsaber? Like, you're just sort of, oh, there, that looks right. That looks right. And, <laughs> but then all of a sudden, you're like, 
master swordsman against Darth Maul after your master dies. Yeah. Well, you'd be upset. And then the pod race. I mean, I, oh. I, I I'm not saying the pod <laughs> race is bad. <laughs> I just I I I skip over it. I I'm in a, there. You go. So Joel. Jar Jar was not as endearing to me yesterday as he was in 1999. <laughs> God. And you're you, right. You've grown up. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's still fun. Whatever. But no, you're right. It's you're either funny for what you say. Or you can just put so much emphasis on what you say and force people to laugh. And it was, there's... A lot like, of forced laughter. Yeah, I mean, he was... At some point, I was like, you're just taking lines from Full House. <laughs> Take, how rude. Yeah, I was like... I said, how rude? I'm like, dude, that's, that was Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you got to catch that, especially in the 90s. Oh, we, we, we that. all caught that growing up. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, again, $115 million. Catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Catch that. that. Catch the lip reading. Do you know what's even sadder? <laughs> is they spent a little background on Jar Jar. They spent a hundred and twenty thousand dollars on a costume that uh Ahmed Best had to wear and the thing broke all the time <laughs> while he was acting because of the stuff that George is making him do. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> and so they had to rebuild it. Every time, I think oh they ended gosh. up spending like 1.2 million just oh on this gosh. costume. <laughs> then they get to editing it, and George hates the costume, so he has them go back and reshoot with a CG or not reshoot, but remake all of the shots with a CGI character over Ahmed Best performance. That costs another three million dollars oh on top no. of <laughs> four million dollars. But Lu- Justin Jar Jar. But Lucas <laughs> also says in one of the featurettes, they're sitting there watching the movie, and he says, this whole movie hinges on whether or not people buy Jar Jar Binks or not. He does. No, you're right. That's right. He does say that in the special features. Yeah, and, to be re- and, and to be honest, in 1999, it looked phenomenal. No, it looked it did. great. Yeah. It was good. It was the, oh, I honestly think the biggest complaint is the overacting. But yeah. I've cut yeah. it here. He overdid it. Yeah. No, you overdid it. <laughs> no, it's and it's funny because I probably prepared really poorly for this movie today because I started watching it and I was like, I just want to enjoy this movie because yeah. I've got such good memories with it and I just enjoy it so much. It's uh, gonna be hard to tear these apart. You really can't. A lot of them are really, really good. No, right? Yeah. There, there's a reason they're successful. There's yep. a reason we talk about them all the time. We yeah. genuinely like them. Yeah, I mean, the only like if I had to find something that didn't work well, which is also gonna be. Like in my conclusion of this is why it was a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is because I watched it yesterday and I was like, oh, I don't remember any of this because yeah. I was a kid and I didn't know what a tra- I don't I didn't know there was conflict over trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't understand that there's an advisor over a council or that there's a senate and I just knew them as people standing talking in a room. So the disconnect with kids in that section, like there need to be, there could have been more explaining, but I'll pick up on that. In a little while, but yeah. I, I, I had to pick something. Yeah, I think it's all good things. I, I, a lot of the line reading for me was a problem, but that's a direction issue. You yeah. got, I mean, you got Liam Neeson there. You got uh, Ewan McGregor. You got now they can. They're good actors. They can read a line, and I got a feeling that every time they read a line, it wasn't to George Lucas's st- work, and they're kind of like, "That's how you're supposed to say it." Yeah, you know. And Harrison Ford, I think, didn't he say at one point, "You can write this stuff, but you can't read it." Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, it's. So yeah, in Jar Jar, he's not meant for me. Kids love the guy. So that's the thing. Whenever I was watching it this week, I was watching it with the boy, and granted, I know he's two, but I was watching him to see how we would react to when Jar Jar was on the screen. And 
to be honest, as soon as Jar Jar came on the screen, the boy, like, is watching. <laughs> Jar Jar starts talking, and the boy literally turns to me, looks at me, and goes out to the kitchen and asks for milk. Like, literally the entire time that Jar Jar is on the screen, he stopped watching and just <laughs> went to the kitchen <laughs> and was like, Daddy Milk? Daddy Milk? And I'm like, <laughs> should I read something into that? I just was so. the moment. But I, I'm just saying, it was pretty creepy that that was the moment when he stopped watching and he looks at me and he's like, Daddy Milk? Daddy Milk now? The, like, here's right. the problem with Jar Jar, I think, and that was that if, if he was four kids, make him understandable. Yeah. Oh, that's the accent. The kids would have missed the accent. It was tough. You can't, I mean, even as an adult, I said, going, what the fuck did he just say? I have to watch <laughs> him with uh, subtitles. subtitles. <laughs> well, that's why that one cut works, because you have subtitles there as he's doing his alien voice. Yeah. And his alien voice, I believe, wasn't it, like, very deep? Yeah. They made him sound cool on it was the like, YouTube oh, video. <laughs> and it actually matches him. Yeah, and huh. whatever language they came up with matched the movement of the mouth. Yeah. It was really good. It was really well done. Okay, who, who's the audience for this movie? Everybody. I, I honestly think everybody should... I said should family. See. Star Wars has I, always been about family. I, I, yeah, I sh- yeah fam- that's why I say everybody. I mean, everybody should be able to see this movie, and everybody can see this movie. Yeah. The, the, only, the only people that shouldn't watch this is people going into it with an agenda. Then uh-huh. don't watch it. If right. you're going in with an agenda, fucking find something else. Yeah. Don't go into this movie with an agenda because then you've already made your decision and you. No, the thing that I liked about this movie is it is for everybody. I watched this movie as a kid. I loved it. It was one of my favorite movies. And then watching it last night, I realized how little I knew about the movie in general and the storyline and as far as the political stuff and the council. And even sitting here talking, listening to you all go back and forth, I'm like, oh, I didn't even catch that. I didn't catch that. Mm. So you can make, you know you're making a good movie when it appeals in, in, t- in its entirety a full movie to kids where they understand the gist of what's going on and at the same time appeal to adults and have a fluid movie with a story that appeals to both audiences. And yeah. that's what works well with this movie. I think, and from, I mean, I look at this, it's families, but again, I, it was... Really interesting watching this movie, trying to pretend like I've never seen it before and trying to make sure that it made sense. And it does. Movie report card. JC, what do you give it? Uh, so let's see. I got a knockdown. Get your rubric out. Yeah, I was going to say, I got to get my rubric. <laughs> I got a knockdown because of some of the dialogue. I got a knockdown for Jar Jar Binks. I got a knockdown because of some of the lightsaber stuff that bugs me. So B. So yeah, I'm at solid B, maybe B plus if I'm not being nitpicky. Okay. Well, if I'm if I'm not being nitpicky, I'm probably a B plus. But if uh, taking everything I've said, I'd I'd give it a B. B it is. Yeah. Joel, I would say if it's so I'll, I start in the middle. Start at C being just the average movie. A lot of average movies. I have watched this movie more than once on <laughs> purpose. Bumps it up to like a C plus. I bought the movie. I bumped that up to. <laughs> I like this. I like this little analogy. Like if I if I if I watched it, I, I said, spent money on it. <laughs> I said that was a movie. I saw it. See, yeah. if I would see it again, we're starting to move up. Yeah. I spent money on this movie. B minus. I enjoy and I will make an effort to watch it again. It is above average. It's a B. It's. I'm the guy that like my roommate hates it. 
<laughs> I'm hearing it's, that it's, movie again. It's the best way to piss him off. I'm like, no, there is no such thing as a 10 in a dunk contest. There's no such thing as a 10. <laughs> I don't care, Sean, why it's not a 10, because what if the next guy does the exact same thing but holds his breath? Yeah. It's like, that was better. <laughs> you can't say that that's the best thing and that there's nothing you can do better. So it's yeah. going to be really tough for me to be like, that was the A-plus movie. Yeah. So uh, above average, a, I give it a B. Okay. I, I give it a B. It's a B. Look at B's all around. Yeah. As an introductory chapter to the story, this fleshes out all the main players nicely with an albeit thin plot that allows you to spend time getting to know them rather than the actions that will propel them in the future. We understand the state of the galaxy, the imminent evil, and we are left with questions that give us a cliffhanger to the next chapter. Who is this Darth Sidious? Who was killed by the who was killed, the master or the apprentice? Now, again, that question, if you're our age, you know immediately because of that last scene. But kids, they miss it sometimes. We don't know. With really? all the doubts, miss things. With all the doubts about Anakin, can Obi Wan help him find his way? I want to know more, and I want to know now. It's worth watching to get involved in the story, but it's not a worthy. It's a B. Fair. We all Fair. got honey. Okay. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Next week, Joe and I will be discussing the next chapter in the Star Wars franchise. And I believe our boy here will be joining us, right? Are if you I'm joining a- us? If I'm allowed back, I will be here. So it will be a trifecto. Now, are we doing it Friday or Saturday? Do You You uh, said you couldn't do Saturday, right? Yeah, it's going to have to be Friday. Friday, Friday it is. Friday. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about episode two. Attack of the Clones? Hey. The all, romance? All I got to say is that claw was well 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 paced well well positioned the claw the claw ooh one of us one of us star trek or star trek oh for shame uh star wars episode 2 attack of the clones Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>